This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Welcome back. It's hour two of Kelly and Ramia. I'm Ramia. We're one step closer to the weekend and kicking that gateway to your weekend open, as Kelly would say. Now, he's not here to do that with us, but Danielle and I will do our best. She's got strong arms. She's a swimmer. I mean, it's been a while since you <laughs> swam, you said, Danielle. Well, it's been a while since I swam in the lake. Okay. Um, I, I, I've, I found a pool oh. that I like that's only about a 15 or 20 minute drive from my house. And I try to get there once a week or more if I can. But I was just saying to you, Ramya, that uh, wetsuit weather is not quite with us because if the water is, uh, say, below about eight or nine degrees, it makes your, and you put your face in it, it <laughs> makes you feel like your brain is freezing and that's not a good feeling. Yeah, you don't have to convince me. Like, I totally <laughs> believe you. I, <laughs> whenever uh, I, yeah, whenever I hear the, and we've talked about it on the show, actually on our wellness segment, the the conversation about ice bath or yeah. having a cold shower, it's great for your, I don't know what, your immune system, I guess, maybe, uh, whatever. It, I can't, in the winter, where I'm already cold and I can barely get the cold off, uh, I'm not really willing to put myself in further cold temperatures. I'd never push you in, I promise. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> Thanks, Danielle. You're welcome. Awesome, Danielle. Well, I believe that we have with us our wonderful guest, gardener Susan Kearney, who joins us every Friday and connects us with nature. Hello, Susan. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Oh, Susan, you have no idea how much I look forward to speaking with you. It's such a pleasure. And, you know, especially in, in at this time of the year, and I'm thinking about, it will be spring. Please say it will be spring. <laughs> and, yes, I, yes, yes. And <laughs> look, looking forward to it. And it's interesting that bulbs are coming, are already coming up. You feel sorry for them because you know they're not going to yeah. survive. I know it makes me it I worry <laughs> but yeah, today yeah. we're going to visit plant families with interesting and maybe even surprising relatives tell me what got you thinking about this topic well, it's it, it is interesting I, I I love looking up the the plant families what they belong to because um, it, 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 so many of them are are different is it wow how did they go in that direction I gather it's um it's genetic. Um, that's that's how it it starts out. So some of them may have the same uh, genetics. And it, well, we'll actually start with, I guess this week some people probably, and I hope they got real roses, not plastic ones, but yes. <laughs> roses. And, um, and the, the rose family is very interesting. And because if you didn't get roses, you might have got um, you might have had some chocolate covered strawberries. Yum. Strawberries is also um, a member of the rose family. What? Well, I knew that yes. raspberries were, but I didn't know that strawberries were. That's fascinating. Yes, they are. It's the first well, time I'm hearing either really... of that. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the the next one is really interesting because I didn't know I didn't know this one um, at all. I actually just finished reading about it in a, in a, a book that I'm reading on bees. Um, almonds. They too are a member of the uh, of the rose family. No kidding! I did not know that. That what a versatile and, plant! <laughs> yes, absolutely. And and it, it goes 
And then the next one are peaches. Huh. Uh, now, the go from uh, roses, strawberries, almonds, peaches. Um, yeah. But it, it goes on. There are many, many other um, uh, members in, in that family. But I thought I'd bring those up because they, they're common. Um, you know, we, we eat them a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And we, we know roses. So it, it is a, a very, very interesting, it's an interesting family for sure. Now, Susan, can you eat roses? That's a silly thought. but People do. No. Can't they? Don't they? Like put them in recipes or garnish or extract. Yes, the petals. You can have the petals, um, but um, caution here: don't don't buy them and then use them. Um, You have to grow them. Uh, I I would say grow them. Uh, Wild roses are probably better. There's probably an actual. um, There's probably an actual um, rose. Um, that they use for the rose water, which I love the smell of. Yes, um, rose water is amazing. Smells, it smells very nice, and I know that that, that is used in in um, a lot of Middle Eastern cooking. And but I think that's a particular type of rose. Don't don't go out and buy buy roses because often those unfortunately are sprayed. They're mm. um, they're sprayed to kill off insects. Um, Good and bad, unfortunately, but um, that that so you would have to grow your own and make certain that you know they're not near any kind of insecticide or um, herbicides or anything like that. Um, that would be important. Yes, you can have you can eat the petals, uh, but I don't know what type of rose. I I just know that I would be very cautious even purchasing a rose plant from. A nursery, unless you specifically asked, have these been sprayed? I wouldn't eat them. So if somebody gave you a bouquet of roses for Valentine's Day, don't chow down. Don't eat them. No, no, don't don't do that because they they are filled with uh, all, you know, and 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 that 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 is to because they're cultivated um, either in greenhouses or and so to keep. Um, pests down or even importing pests because a lot of them come from Ecuador, uh, the, you know, the long stem roses and so on this mm-hmm. time of year, um, that they have to be sprayed. And um, no, we don't eat them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <It's my> <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not even sure yeah. if this question makes sense or how much you can talk on this, uh, Susan, but how are the roses and the strawberries and the raspberries and the peaches related? Like, do we know what part or how they connect in the family together yes they would they would come from the same genetics uh so uh i gather that almonds um like the almond uh, almond tree uh um like the almond plant would and it's a tree i guess a bush um it would be in the in the same genus as as a rose so that 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 is how this is. and the same with strawberries um, they would have the same um, same genetics. So if you actually looked up the genetics, um, they have the Latin names because that's how botanists tell um, what um, genus the uh, the plants are in. So they would have all the and you know if if you look a lot of plants up, um, they do uh, give you the the actual um, name like the uh, Latin name uh, because that's how they communicate which. Um, which plant belongs to what um, genus. 
Right. Hey, yeah. Good to know. Mm-hmm. And and I, all of the plants that you've mentioned that in this family all have flowers that uh, you can see a bit of similarity among the flowers. And they're, I mean, flowering almond is one of the prettiest shrubs I know of. Yes. Are, yeah. Yeah. And and it's and they smell very nice. Yes. They, they 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 do smell very like the 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 flowering almond smells really really nice and you can get ornamental um, flowering almond too, um, not yes. just the edible ones. Um, you can uh, it also goes into the or, ornamental um, uh, family too of uh, flowering almond. So I was going to go home and do like a taste test, you know, rose petal <laughs> almond. Raspberry, strawberry, peach, and <laughs> do I taste the similarity? Probably not going to work, right? Oh, that's great. So, Susan, no, no. Um, we'll go to what? the next family. We, we, yes. We eat a lot of um, buckwheat honey um, in, in our house, um, have it in our tea and everything. Um, what I found interesting about the, the buckwheat plant, and the reason why I actually um, researched it, uh, I want to know more about it. It's a very interesting plant, and its family is very um, interesting because most of, the, most of the plants I've never heard of. Um, mm-hmm. But then when I started thinking about it, I thought, yes, I have heard of them, but um, we uh, actually get rid of some of the plants, which is unfortunate. Um, one is knotweed. Um, in the, the buckwheat family is is knotweed and knotweed is knotweed is really actually, we, yes huh. yeah I, so yeah, it's is, is buckwheat not a wheat it's not a grass it's a grass it's it but yes. i think it would probably i would suspect that some people would think it was a weed it is it it, it is it can be it can be wild um, we do cultivate it, but it can be wild. So yes, it would come under that. Um, you know, like I guess some people would consider it a weed. They do with the knot weed, and they do with the smart weed. Now I've never heard of that one, but it was. All, it must be very similar to the knot weed. I've never and heard of smart the, weed. You know, no, either had I, but it was in the same. It, it was in in the same column with with the knotweed. Knotweed, I know I have heard of, but the other one that really surprised me in this family there are absolute there are two of them is um, sorrel, which is a an herb, um, mm-hmm. and I have never grown it, but um, it's I, I think rather a I, I think rather a strong herb. Um, What's the name again, this is Susan? Sorrel. sorrel. Oh, I, I've had drinks made of sorrel. Yeah. So good. Oh, have it's, you? Caribbean, yeah. yes, from the Caribbean. You know what? I'm not sure that the Caribbean sorrel is, is the, the same, same thing. Yeah, because it's a leafy green that's very maybe bitter, yeah. right? That's what and I hear I, about it, though. And I grew it yeah. in my garden for, for years, and last year it disappeared. It just, when, when the leaves are young, it's very tasty. Mm-hmm. It has an interesting, almost nutty flavor mm-hmm. I, I actually uh, love it and i know that my grandmother used to i've make never i've never it. grown it but i thought the sorrel that were in i thought that that was a root but i could be wrong or or are we talking fruit. about two different things i think we, we might, be. might be okay i think we might it'll be a good follow-up yeah. curious yeah. about that yes it will be a good follow-up but we'll all know this one rhubarb oh that's okay. also in that family okay and it's related yeah. buckwheat is related to rhubarb 
Yeah, what yeah, I know. I never knew it's, that. It's, wow. a, it's a stretch, but yes, apparently <laughs> they are. Very no, that's interesting. interesting. I wonder if mm-hmm. I, my my daughter is allergic to rhubarb. I wonder if she's allergic to, to buckwheat because she doesn't like it. When I I've made you know a, a dish with buckwheat and she doesn't like it at all. I'm wondering if that's because of of that relationship. That's, Very interesting. That's interesting because I'm allergic to almonds. And when uh-huh. I eat strawberries, I get a rash. And, oh. and I was always told, it's because you ate too many. That's not true. And now that's I know they're why. all related. Because oh, they're so all related. I may not have the same um, effect as, as the almonds, but strawberries are of the family. They're and of that Susan, genus. So the- we got to let you go on that thought, but uh, this uh-huh. has been really enlightening. Maybe we'll do a part two. Oh, absolutely. I've got lots more. Awesome. Oh. Thank you. Join us every Friday to talk gardening with Susan Kearney, and I can hardly wait till next week. Thank you so much. After the break, we're checking in with Ryan Huey for the Chatty Bookshelf. We'll be right back. Don't go away. There's more great conversation with Kelly and Ramya right around the corner. Welcome back. It's Kelly and Ramia on AMI, and we are here until 4 p.m. Eastern time. And you can all, always, always, always go and check out the podcast for more of this content or any content that you missed. We uh, upload an hour one and hour two. We'll give you some highlights of the show later on. But for now, let's talk all things audiobooks with Ryan Huey on the Chatty Bookshelf. An entire library could fit inside your pocket. I'm Ryan Huey. This is the Chatty Bookshelf, where we talk audiobook trends, news, and author interviews. Ryan, I have to say, it's been not like a heavy reading week for me, but a lot of book talk, just because um, we were featuring, you know, Black History Month and on this week's episode of AMI Audiobook Review, and just tons and tons of recommendations and book lists to go over for Black History reads and reading lists. So. I am very excited to talk books with you still. Well, thanks for having me. And that's great. I love to hear when you're when you're reading and doing the book chat. And I just mm-hmm. started a new one this week and it's fantastic. I'm about give or take 45 minutes in and I'm hooked and I'll probably finish it this weekend if I'm being honest. Okay. Sci-fi? Like what's the genre? I would say it's a thriller. It's called Last Flight, and two women meet in an airport, and to escape their lives, they switch identities, and that's as far as I got. Uh, it actually, it actually sounds really cool. So that it's, it's, it's so good so far. Danielle, are you reading anything at the moment? I'm usually three or four things. You know, I've got the upstairs <laughs> book and the downstairs book, and the, and 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 the, and the audio on the in the car. And yeah, I'm reading a few things. I just. Yeah, I, I I think I could qualify as an addict, but we won't go there. A, a really <laughs> so good multitasker fancy. at the least. I can say so fancy upstairs and downstairs. Wow. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I like a laundry it. room <laughs> book. And That's a right. Yeah, kitchen you know, you, book. You, you can't you can't get bored, right? No. So yeah. I will say I, I tried to... all the way from uh, Japan. Jordan Rivet just uh, she just released a book today, so it's a new oh. series that she's starting. So I'm hoping to to grab her to see if we can have her on to discuss a little bit. Uh, she's super excited about it, and we've been chatting uh, 
probably for the last two weeks uh, ever since uh, she released the the cover and everything. Mm. Yeah, we've been filling out, well, you have been doing an amazing job kind of filling out this year of Chatty Bookshelf with authors and narrators, guests to come, uh, and it's so exciting. It, and if anything, like at the yeah. least, their conversations we're having on the show and books for us to check out before or after to talk about them, so... There's really nice. no shortage, right? No. There's always something. And you know what? It's, it's really great to have authors kind of reach out and say, hey, this is cool. What, what, what does this mean? What's the chatty bookshelf? What's mm -hmm. AMI? And we can kind of go through and tell them. And then more often than not, people are interested. Uh, so it's, it's really great. And uh, Twitter is a wonderful tool to get out there yeah. and, and get in the book community. I don't know how we have time to do anything else but talk books and read books all day long, honestly. And, and garden. And garden and cook well, don't and tell eat. And... My boss. Yeah. Well, all right. I guess we're doing a few things. So, what do you have? You talked about Twitter being a good tool. Uh, let's just overall say the internet is a good tool for talking books. What do you have for us today, this week? This is really cool. So there's a new, it's, I don't want to say new website, but it's some, a website that's gained some tractions over the, let's say, last two or so years. Uh, and it's really cool because it features a ton of different things and it's geared towards a certain audience, but it finding out that that's not the only audience that that really likes uh, in, in going to the site and, and getting in on the chatter. And it's really been just amazing because it's been featured on so many social medias and now in Audiophile Magazine, which is kind of the top echelon of being featured when uh, you're talking audiobooks has featured them uh, as their top story this week. So it's really, really cool. So what does this uh, include? So it's called the Children's Book Site, and it can be found at childrensbookreview.com. And it's really interesting because the article that is featured, or I guess, uh, yeah, I guess it would be an article. Uh, the article that is featured on there is the top five I guess, young adult and teen books. And what really caught my attention was it wasn't um, Ryan's typical, you know, sci-fi or thriller or romance novels. There was a ton of different genres in there that you traditionally wouldn't see. And then if you break it down and go into the site even more, there's a list of all different books. There's curated lists by, oh, this, this writer likes these books and here's what she recommends or here's what he recommends. And it goes on and on and on. But the, the easiest part is it's not just audible, but they actually tell you where to get these books for discounted prices or maybe even for free. And obviously they do feature the, the big boys, the, the audiobooks.com and the audible.uk.ca.com, uh, those sort of sites. But they also do like Libro FM and they have a partnership that with them where they have mentioned they they released their entire lineup just uh last week on this website so they're they're really they're really getting into it yeah it's it seems really uh is it fair to say niche like i'm not sure but they're they're catering it to an age group right you know what? It, it, that's what you would think, but it, it's really great because it's it's sort of ebooks, audiobooks, and everything in the mix. So you yeah. can kind of you don't have to go to the library or have the print copy in front of you, even though that's totally acceptable because we love everybody to read. But I think that um, this site has kind of been pushed out and really grown over the past few years to kind of include a great mix of everything. And yes. that's what kind of drew me in. It wasn't just, hey, here's all the science fiction books or, hey, here's all the this book or that uh, this type of genre. I think they really do a good job of of going in and featuring narrators and they'll have uh, small snippets of interviews with them and things like that. So it's really, really a cool site. It sounds you know, I like think it. that 
it's interesting that if people are beginning to discover that teenagers don't always simply like what is called YA fiction, young adult fiction, that there's a lot of nonfiction um, that's very interesting to people, you know, to the to younger readers and a whole bunch of of uh, um, genres that are really popular now that people hadn't really predicted would be. It's an, do, do you, it's I, an interesting you concept, you know, and w- with that, it's a young adult has kind of springboarded into something even larger, right? Because it's not so much, hey, we're going to gear this towards a 13-year-old or a 10-year-old or an 18-year-old. It's kind of it's kind of along the lines of Disney movies where they're geared towards the parents, too. There's some jokes in there that aren't for the kids, they're for the parents. And I feel like that's where the young adult genre is going uh, so that you you can enjoy them as a family or someone like Ryan, who is definitely not a young adult, can also enjoy these books because it's slowly and surely becoming one of my favorite genres as well. Yeah, it's... There's... um, I think the more that you offer and not necessarily presume that, you know, this group of people will like this kind of thing and just kind of leave it open, right? I mean, maybe recommendation lists and things like that, but leaving it open means that you have more people, especially younger people, exploring different genres. You want to tell us about this nonfiction one? Yeah, absolutely. So this was really cool because it was a nonfiction book that uh, topped the the top five in, in this list. And it was actually number two, which was shocking to me. So I was like, wow, this is really high because traditionally you'd think, hey, teenage and children uh, of, of that age, they they want the... They, they want the wow, the pizzazz factor. But this book was uh, really climbing the charts there. And, and it's called Better Than We Found It, Conversations to Kind of Change the World. And hmm. it's sort of a starting place for parents or teachers that might shy away because it, each chapter has a different, I guess, social topic that is relevant to today's world and to, the, to today's teenager, where it kind of tackles some of those tough topics, right? Like gun violence or racism, uh, talks about the healthcare system. And what's really cool is uh, I actually read this book. It's, a, it's 13 hours, so it's a longer young adult read. And what they do is in each chapter, they have professionals and people that are very knowledgeable about that industry kind of talk about it and give them a breakdown of what to expect as an adult and what they should be looking at as a young teenager or as they move into, let's say, their 20s, university-bound students, college-bound students. And it's just a really great read. And I, I found it to be amazing. It was it could be an amazing source for uh, resource for teachers and for parents if they sort of have difficulty starting those conversations, right? This might be a good place to start. So this sounds like a really good idea. Now, do you need to read it all like sequentially, uh, you know, all the hours in a row or can you pick and choose by topic? You know what? So I'm very by the book. Yes, pun intended. So I I (laughs) read it, you know, chapter one through 85. Um, I I forget how many chapters there actually are, but you could actually jump around. Um, But when I was on, I, I bought it on Audible, but it is available other places. But when you can kind of, there's no chapter listings on audible like for for title wise so it'd just be like chapter 18 you don't really know so it's kind of a guessing game so you definitely could but i think that might be more of a print or ebook sort of thing to do and and if that's the the type of media that you like then definitely you can do that but yeah there's no real sequential sequence that you have to go through to to start or end the book and rereading, right? Like uh, along with ebooks and paperbacks, when you're rereading a book, I'm sure you could just go back and 
revisit chapters on their own. Yeah, so second time through, you can be like, oh, I yeah. really like chapters 3, 9, 12, and however many, and then go back and, and kind of listen to those again. Or maybe I didn't understand this, and I want to listen to these mm-hmm. ones again. Or, you know, maybe I want some input from mom or dad uh, and, and kind of get them to listen along too. Particular yeah. guests as well, because there are some very uh, intentional professionals and expertise being utilized in this book there are there are and i don't want to spoil it because i want people to read i I want people to pick this one up (laughs) because it's it's actually really different and it's it's really great because i think that like i said it's number two on the list right now and it it just seems that that wouldn't be a traditional book and i'm hoping that it climbs a little bit further i mean it's a great resource and it's interesting it's not textbook style where they're trying to well, essentially, they are trying to teach you something, right? But they do it in such a way that it it grabs the the listener's attention. They've really catered it to the teenage audience rather than just writing it textbook style and and talking down to maybe a young adult that doesn't have the life experience that that someone my age or, or even older might have. Well, it sounds like a, a good book for families to listen to together, parents mm, and kids, to, to and start conversations. I, I really like this idea. Oh, it's a fantastic idea, and I hope there's more books out there because there's no, I mean, you could almost do an entire book or an entire series on each chapter for, for each one because there's they're so, such important issues that, you know, maybe myself, some of these issues weren't as prevalent in my childhood, but right now with the social media and, and mental well-being, that's a big one in there. They have um, a lot of stuff to go on that and which you should or shouldn't be posting online, and, and you know what, that ah, wasn't a thing when I was a kid. That's- no, that's huge. Yeah. Now, I understand you have one more big thing to chat about, Ryan. What's that? Absolutely, guys. You're going to have to listen in next week because we have an author-narrator duo, uh, author Josh Rydell and um, narrator Torian Brackett coming on to talk about their recent New York Times bestseller release that released two months ago called, uh, it's, just, it's just a great book, you know what? And it, it's called Report Your Bug Here. It's sort of a science fiction, but the gist of the book is um, a dating service, like an app, so your your Bumble or uh, anything else like that. When you post a picture, it transports you to a magical world for an instant, and then you're back. And they're like, "Is this the bug? Is this a bug in the in the the app, or is this supposed to happen?" And uh, it, it's really a cool book. And uh, there's a lot of things that I want to chat with them about. I have so many questions that I know we're not going to get to all of them, but they're super excited to be joining us. And uh, I'm glad that they're going to be my first author narrator duo on the show together. So cool. Yes, I mean, I, like we said, you have a lot of guests planned, lined up, working in progress, working with. So um, we're really excited for Chatty Bookshelves moving forward. Thanks, Ray. Take care, guys. Have a good long weekend. You too. My gosh, I forgot all through the show that we have a long weekend coming up. Anyway, coming up after the break, we're revisiting and weighing in and reflecting on conversations from the past week. It's called Cut for Time. It's going to be myself, Danielle McLaughlin, and Grant Hardy after the break. It's fun, insightful, and inclusive. Kelly and Ramya return in a minute. I do have a reputation for being forgetful, but specifically being forgetful about long weekends. 
upcoming long weekends when we have Fridays off, Mondays off, whatever the case may be. Now, obviously, if I plan a vacation, I'm not going to forget about it. But uh, Family Day long weekend is this weekend. We have Monday off in Ontario and other parts of the country as well. But I you know, tend to forget and then keep re-remembering, Danielle, throughout the day. Oh, yeah, we have Monday off. Yay. And then, <laughs> and then as we plan for the upcoming shows, remember again, oh, yes, we don't have to plan for Monday. It's off. And so I, I will say other parts of my life, I wish I could remember more and not outsource my memory to the calendar and the GPS and all these other things. But with this one, I kind of enjoy it. You know, it's nice when you're taken by surprise. Oh, it's a day off. Yes. Exciting. Yes. yes. Probably <laughs> annoying for everyone else around me. But yes, for me, sincerely, it is. It is nice. <laughs> It's a dopamine <laughs> hit. Danielle McLaughlin, yes. Ramia Amuthan, joining you on the show today as we close off the week on a Friday. And also joining us now, Grant Hardy, to um, to talk about segments from the last week, reflect on some of the conversations, and maybe even a little over uh, this week's content because we have something from last week but we like to do this to wrap up the show on Fridays because we have amazing conversations and sometimes if we don't get to say what we wanted to say during that segment we like to take this opportunity to bring that conversation back so Danielle we'll start with you well thank you uh, I, I don't think I'm giving away any secrets if I say that I happen to be one of Susan Kearney's biggest fans <laughs> but uh, last Friday um, I wasn't uh, co-hosting but uh, everyone spoke with her about a living plant wall that is at a school and here she is describing that wall. Um, it's actually at the um, Guelph University um, Humber campus, which is nice. in the uh, west area, I guess, north, sort of northwest area of uh, the GTA. So it's, um, and this uh, particular wall, um, there, it, it's a new one right now. Uh, the plants are all very new. They're all very young. And um, it actually was planted originally 20 years ago. Wow. And the reason why it was done is a biofiltration system. Mm. So these plants are hooked up to uh, a filtration system that actually cleans the air of the building that they're in, which is really interesting. I've seen, and, of course, during the pandemic, when everything was closed down, a lot of the plants suffered. Mm -hmm. So they've put new plants in. Um, nice. The wall is um, five stories high and about, I believe, about 30 feet long. Wow. <laughs> I know. You know, I once worked in a building that had a plant wall just opposite the elevators, and there was this lovely, fresh scent. Usually when you're waiting in a, in a corridor for an elevator, it's really musty and awful. But because of the way plant walls work, with the water that kind of trickles down, because you see there's no soil, it, all of these are hydroponic, they all live in water, and there's this wonderful smell, it's like being in a greenhouse, I just loved it. And I understand that there's this really large uh, plant wall in Guelph, uh, which Susan just described, five stories Hi, the, the, the Guelph Humber campus. Um, and they apparently at the very top, they have the flowering plants because there's a skylight and the skylight helps the flowering plants at the top. And then towards the bottom of the five story wall are plants that just don't need so much light. Um, but 
Can you imagine, Ramia, wouldn't you love to have plants just growing up and down your wall? Oh, Does that man. appeal to you? No, absolutely. <laughs> Seriously. And she was she went further into discussing just the feel of the atrium because that's where they have this yes. wall placed and the sunlight. Uh, well, actually, the low light needed for the plants were being able to kind of maintain the plants, but the sunlight when you're walking through, the mental health benefits, she definitely talked about the aroma and what this would feel like, and it's so exciting. I haven't even experienced oh. it. I, I would absolutely love it. Now, I, I was mentioning it to my husband, and he said, well, doesn't all that water mean that there's mold growing um, on the walls? And I checked on that, and apparently there, the, the plant system is far enough from the wall that a lot of air gets in, and in fact, they haven't really had a problem with mold. You could uh, end up with that if you weren't careful enough about how, how you constructed it and how far you you moved that that living uh, plant wall out from the, the wall behind it. But to me, this this is just ideal. I I, um, I have uh, next to me right now a euphorbia and a jade plant that are living together in a pot. They're, they're standing right next to me at the moment. And I have um, 16 other plants in the room where I am right now. I'm oh. a bit of an addict. Um, <laughs> and I, you know, and I've rarely met a plant I don't like. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I do, sometimes I've been known to go to plant stores just, just to walk up and down the aisles and, and smell them and, you know, just the, the, just the atmosphere. So the idea of having a plant wall and I understand you can have them outside as well so if you had oh. like a, a garden wall you could probably figure out a way of putting pots all all along the wall and just growing your plants that way too and I don't know I mean they I, I saw a cartoon uh some while ago which showed these little creatures in in a plant store and they, they said, what do you want? He said, all the plants. <laughs> where, where are you going to put them? We have no idea. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's kind of my problem. Yeah. <laughs> that's very lovely. Grant, did you have anything to add on to this plant wall convo? Well, plants are definitely our allies. There's yes. no doubt about that. Although I have to tell you that I own one potted plant. It's, I can't even remember the kind, but it's basically like an unkillable plant. And I've <laughs> almost managed to bring it to the point of death, I think a couple of times. So I may not Don't be the it. candidate for the plant wall, but I have a lot of respect for people who can because gosh darn it, we sure need our plants in this world. Uh, <laughs> Switching gears a little bit to a subject that's maybe more familiar to me, Mr. Tech Guy. On Monday, we spoke with Michael Babcock. He talked about some work that Microsoft and Google are doing with regard to artificial intelligence and generative text. Here he is talking a little bit more about that. Bing and Microsoft announced last week that there's going to be more of a chat experience for users. Um, and they're calling two of these features chat and compose. Um, and so chat is going to be what you uh, would type into Bing. And then uh, chat is also something that you can talk to a chat bot about a web page. I'll explain that in a moment. Three quick search examples. My anniversary is coming up in September. Can you help me plan a trip somewhere fun in Europe, leaving from London specifically. So that might be a lot of different search terms if you're trying to put that together, but they're saying you can just type in that that phrase and Google will start, or Bing will start providing you results for that specific inquiry. 
So, uh, you know, what can I say that really hasn't already been said about all these chat bots? But one thing that I wanted to talk about a little bit is about AI hygiene. You know, one thing that I had to learn in school was like search engine hygiene. Like, okay, the top results are ads. Be careful about that. Be careful about inaccuracies. You know, this is how to really narrow your results down and, and get what you want. And I think the problem with these chatbots where everything is so opaque is that I'm a little skeptical when you get below kind of the surface level stuff that they're really going to deliver the information uh, that you need. I, I've asked ChatGPT, uh, for example, you know, where would be a good restaurant for somebody who loves meat and also for somebody who's a vegetarian but doesn't like onions. And the results <laughs> it gave were like very weird and not at all relevant. I also have to tell you, and I'm not going to share specific examples, but although it's trained to reject inappropriate and offensive requests, I, without much difficulty, you can actually get it to say some pretty offensive things, especially like <laughs> about my, my own disability. I was just curious to see if it could oh say my. anything offensive or untrue about my disability and boy, oh boy, can it ever. Uh, so I kind of question how much like racial diversity, you know, disability awareness, uh, just what sort of biases these things are yes. fed. I think that they're potentially very powerful. Not sure what you guys think, but I just am concerned you know people are talking about like okay there's going to be haves and have nots for who has access to this but also like what kind of biases are we going to learn from this and what kind of chat hygiene are we going to need to learn in order to use these appropriately gosh yeah that's a lot to unpack i mean it i worry about the biases um i worry that we will be so consumed by how easy and straightforward this is going to be and how we can just put in you know garbly goop into the search <laughs> engines and come out with whatever we actually need and that's anything from simple tasks like writing emails to um like planning a trip right and just have this thing tell us because we're already seeing how lazy we can get with our smart devices and our smart speakers specifically like hey google is it okay oh my gosh i'm so sorry for triggering everyone's googles uh <laughs> is it okay for me gosh, to darn it, <laughs> for me to uh you know feed my dog this and then they tell you a snippet and boom we take that for gospel and i i think that that is very very worrisome um and uh for me like someone who just you know doesn't do a lot of this stuff and i haven't barely even explored chat gpt i'm worried that we're just going to jump into it so quickly we're already seeing the competitive side of it we're already you know noticing how bad it can get well and if you're in academia and you have students using it, it uh, it's yeah. a pain for people <laughs> to try to winnow out what they actually wrote and what yep. chat gpt gave them yeah and regulate and we're seeing the fact that we have to deal with these kind of things anyways, right, Then you're like through the pandemic, open book uh, exams had to be the way because you're doing your exams from home, you're, you right. have access to the internet, there's no way for people to regulate non-internet use or whatever. Um, so I'm curious about how we're going to respond to that aspect. It'll be interesting. Mm -hmm. But great commentary, uh, Grant. 
On Tuesday's show, just to, before we wrap, on Tuesday's show, we talked to John Melville on our Collections and Hobbies segment, and here he is touching on collecting newspapers. I'm holding up a picture of the uh, San Francisco Examiner from October 16th, 1989, which was when the last major earthquake hit San Francisco. And mm. as 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 we can see, or as I can say, the, the it's quite yellow um, because uh, when newspapers get exposed to sunlight, they're going to start to deteriorate, right? So you do have to kind of keep them away from ultraviolet light, uh, you know, if you want them to last. But then some people like that yellowing look too, and it, it certainly, you can't avoid it sometimes. But uh, I do my best oh. just to protect the stuff, you know? Yeah. What's the date of that again, John? October. October 17th, 1989. And, and I'll tell you just uh, the connect, because I mentioned that I'm connected to my stuff. Um, it wasn't because of the earthquake or anything else, but uh, October 17th, 1989 was the, the first day I started an overnight shift at a radio station. So it was like my first official job in radio. Oh. Um, and I remember because we were hopping overnight and the news was coming in about this earthquake in San Francisco. It was actually the Blue Jays. Uh, no, sorry. Not the Jays, no. Oakland Athletics were playing yep. the, 40, uh, the San Francisco, um, help me out there, Kelly. <laughs> Giants, the Giants. Um, the Giants. Watching the game. We were watching the game. Wow. Watching watching the game. Too, right? Yeah. Uh, and we were, we had Tom Cheek and Jerry Howarth there, and uh, they had to run away from, you know, everything that was going on at the time, uh, get safe. Uh, but that was the day I started in radio. So it's kind of cool to have that little memento of, uh, you know, a very tragic event, you know? I loved that story. I loved revisiting that so much. Uh, John Melville, you know, one of many people, obviously, who has been able to keepsake things from the past and not just for his own personal sentimental reasons, but then when you share it like this on our collection segment, which is one of my favorite, absolute favorite segments of the month, uh, to be able to talk about pieces of history, you know, times and history where these things existed. And although we're, we may feel now that we're so far from something like reading a physical newspaper, I know not everybody's on that boat, but I'm saying for myself, uh, it, it's still like incredibly amazing to, to go back and revisit that with him. And then there's a part of me that's kind of sad that now we live Again, speaking for myself, I live so minimally. Like, there's absolutely barely anything that I keep. I have maybe one box, like a memory box, an ottoman of things that I've kept from my lifetime. And even that is absolutely minimal. Like, I will keep something on my dresser and leave it there for three days. And I say, if by the third day I really want to keep this, then I will put it in the memory box. If not, it's getting tossed. And I move around so much and that kind of thing. But I admire people who can keep collections and who can store things nicely and, and then be able to cherish, you know, these things years later. But I don't know if either of you had a quick thought around that. Yeah. I find it really interesting, like digitally, how it's just so much harder to keep archives yeah. like those mementos. I was trying to open some documents that I found, some old documents that I created on an old Braille note, and uh, I can't open them because they're not supported on oh. my newer devices. Right. So, you know, you look at like kids, you know, 50 years from now, are they going to be able to plug in their grandpa's hard drive and, you know, view the family photos? Like it's, it's a whole different sort of ball game. And of course, d digital rights management and all that stuff, companies can just switch off yep. the, the lights and you're done, can't access it anymore.
Yeah, because it's not even us saving it. It's we're saving things in the cloud. It's so true, Danielle. Well, uh, I rem I when I left one of my workplaces, I had a whole bunch of floppy disks, and then oh my gosh, quickly yes. got to the point where there was nothing left that could read a floppy disk. So yes. why keep it? I mean, it's it's really getting to be an issue. But I have boxes and boxes of photographs from my grandparents. And I have oh, wow. no idea who the people are. So if you are going to keep things, make sure that they have labels of some kind so <laughs> that the next generation knows what on earth they're looking at. I, yeah. I even have my some of my mother's kitchen equipment, and I'm not sure, what does this thing do? You know? <laughs> gadgets over All gadgets. All I know is it sparks when you plug it in. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. good, but it must have done something. No. Oh, no, that wasn't even a plug. Oops. Okay. Oops. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Grant, thank you for joining us. Have a fantastic weekend, guys. You too. A long one at that. Uh, Danielle will be back. We're going to wrap up the show together, and we're uh, going to tease some of the Tuesday episode of Kelly and Ramia, as well as find out things going on over the weekend on AMI-audio and AMI-tv. We'll be right back. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break. It's Kelly and Ramia on a Friday afternoon. We're just mere moments away from kicking open that gateway to your weekend, your long weekend. Danielle McLaughlin filling in for Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amuthan. And Danielle, at this time, we'd love to point at some of the segments from today that people can look forward to when they're checking out our podcasts later on after the, uh, after the live airing of the show. So where would you like to go with this? Well, you know, it was such a good show that I, I there wasn't anything I, I feel we shouldn't be listening mm -hmm. to again. But I, I am somewhat addicted to Susan Kearney's segments, as you know. And I was fascinating, especially when she talked about buckwheat and how it's related to rhubarb and um, right. how almonds are related to roses. And I just found all of those, you know, that the families of plants are, are endlessly fascinating. So... I would like to to highlight Susan Kearney's segment, and um, I think I'm going to listen to it again. Nice. Yeah, I mean, lots of learning in that one, and I'm sure we're going to yeah. get into a part two on uh, families of plants and their surprising relatives, as she called it, which is very true. Like, we ran that one right up to the post because there was so much <laughs> to, to debrief on that. Um, also, for me, talking to John Beeler about anything tech and on our app updates is fascinating. But today, highlighting Uber's new audio recording option uh, on a ride that was great to kind of mull over and discuss for safety reasons why this is an addition that is well worth you updating your uber app for uh, and we discussed a couple of other things on the app update as well now i'm going to tell you about some things going on over the weekend on ami tv and ami audio um let's start with in focus on ami tv Host April Hubbard and guests examine complex issues through the lens of disability. And this week, April discusses the life-affecting impact of living with invisible disabilities with guest Christopher Valet, Samantha um, 
Kemp Jackson, Wanda DeChum, and Laura Bridges. And so this is going to be a, a, a great panel discussion. In Focus airs Saturdays at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time on AMI-tv. Now moving to AMI-audio. If you're new to technology or want to know more about what technology is accessible to blind and low vision community members, you can listen to Double Tap. This is Sundays at noon Eastern on AMI-audio, and you can join hosts Stephen Scott, Sean Priest, and Marco Flalo, the trio, as they discuss news, reviews, and the technology that you should be checking out for your benefits and maybe the benefits of others in your life. That's Double Tap, Sundays at noon Eastern on AMI-audio. And as I said, no live show on Monday as we all recognize Family Day on the long weekend. So tune in for our Kelly and Ramia, or best of Kelly and Ramia, that day um, during the 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. time slot. And of course, uh, you can tune back in on Tuesday for the live show. Ooh, that was a lot of talking at you. Danielle, thank you so much for joining us uh, today. And you're going to be back next Wednesday, Thursday, Friday as Kelly marks off his vacation days. Carrying on so many vacation days. I keep asking him if he could share with me, but he just hasn't <laughs> uh, accepted my offer yet. Well, I hope he's enjoying his vacation days, Ramia, and I hope you have a lovely long weekend. Thank you, Danielle. And I'm really looking forward to chatting with you more next week. Me too. On Tuesday's show, we've got um, great conversations and a lineup coming your way. Frances Wong is joining us on our wellness segment. She's talking indoor and outdoor air quality. That'll be a good discussion. Also, Young Wong is joining us. She's our monthly contributor, kind of a freelance reporter, talking about love and relationships, lessons learned from the hardships that we face in those relationships. And I don't think she's just talking about partnerships. I think friendship and family, all of that is going to come up for us uh, and we have many more conversations coming your way on tuesday thanks for joining us today we love to kick open the gateway to your weekend together enjoy your long weekend be safe be healthy have fun and we'll catch you back tuesday on kelly and ramia hosts kelly mcdonald and ramia amuddin reporter grant hardy senior show producer jeff ryman visual producer megan mcgrath Producer, Marianne Dion Jones. Graphics, Andrew Antonello. Production assistant, Kingsley Juco. Control room operators, Daniel Penamondo, Eliza Rocco, Parker Oxtoby. Director, Irene Solomon. Manager of live production, Paula Deneen. Manager of operations, Kyle Harper. Manager of AMI Audio, Andy Frank. Director of TV production, Kara Nye. Vice President, Content Development and Production, John Melville. President and CEO, David Arrington. Give us your feedback, 1-866-509-4545. Copyright 2023, Accessible Media Inc. Hello, I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Shaun of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts.